Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. Happy Father's Day to our dads. Uh, back over my right shoulder here is Joniel Emery, and some of you know her. Those of you who do not, it's important that you know uh, Joniel is uniquely gifted and anointed in art. And so while I'm sharing with us, Joniel has a, a blank canvas back here. She's going to be working on a piece and we'll get to see that at the end. Just wanted you to know what's happening over my right shoulder to kind of ease the tension. Father's Day. Uh, Steve Martin, the comedian, said this, a father carries pictures where his money used to be. Ray Romano, the actor, said this, having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, there's a lot of throwing up. The world-renowned theologian Mark Twain said this, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. And finally, comedian Jim Gaffigan said this, there should be a children's song. If you're happy and you know it, keep it to yourself and let your dad sleep. <laughs> Our theme for Father's Day is legacy. What does it mean, Cove Church? I always like to have a, a working definition. Um, it's something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor from the past. Let me read it one more time. Something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor from the past. And so, Coach Church, I think there's something I know about e each one of us tuning in today, and it's that we want to leave a healthy, uh, robust, memorable legacy for those who follow us, especially our kids. And so uh, today, dads, I, I want to share not just a message with you, but to, to the broader community of Cove Church. I hope you won't be offended by that. Uh, I, I will say we're, we're going to get you out of here maybe a little bit early, um, to which some of you might say, finally, someone had a, a conversation with Pastor Brandon. I'm just kidding. So the title of my message today is Legacy and Living Between the Charcoal Fires. Legacy and Living Between the Charcoal Fires. There are only two charcoal fires mentioned in the New Testament. Both of them involve the, the same two main characters. And, and I want to tell the stories of these charcoal fires. And then we'll end today by reading the words from the Bible of one of the two main characters. Uh, when I was younger, uh, we have some burn barrels on stage. When I was younger, we, it seemed to be a permanent fixture in our backyard that uh, we had a burn barrel in fact, just like this one. And um, it, it seemed to me during the summer, I think during the fall, we'd burn leaves and branches, that sort of thing. And I remember to this day, Cove Church, the smell of, of the burn barrel. In fact, uh, if the windows are down, we're driving down the road, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I, I can just smell. As soon as, I, as soon as I smell the burn barrel, I, I will say even out loud, someone's, someone's burning. Probably six years ago at our home in Vancouver, we had these big, huge fir trees and there was always cleanup in our backyard. And I decided to um, burn some yard debris. And it wasn't long before a massive tandem fire truck was out front of our house and five firefighters poured into our backyard. Uh, what had happened, uh, our neighbors 
smelled that familiar smell and they saw this trail of smoke coming from the pastor's backyard. And uh, I'm inside kind of looking through the blinds and my teenage son at the time is out there. Joy walks out there. So I, I decided to go out there hat in hand and uh, it, th they were incensed. These five firefighters were really uh, not happy with me. They all leave except for one. And he says three words to me, put it out and turn around. I didn't get a chance to apologize or anything. He just turned around, walk away. Not the best testimony from Pastor Brandon. So today, Coaches, what I want to do is I want to tell essentially three stories and then we'll, we'll read the words from one of the main characters. I want to tell a story on the front side of this charcoal fire in scripture. And then I want to share the story of these two charcoal fires, and then we'll read some words at the end. The story on the front side of this charcoal fire really is the story the night Jesus was betrayed. Pastor Aaron talks about it often um, when, we, uh, uh, when we go to communion. And um, you'll remember that Jesus is enjoying a meal there, the Passover meal with his disciples. And at some point in time during the meal, Jesus stood up and he stripped down actually and put a towel around his waist, essentially the attire of a servant. And he got on his knees, think about this, the king of the universe gets on his knees and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples. He gets to Peter. Some of you remember the story well. And Peter, Peter's incensed. He, 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 says, he says to Jesus, you'll never wash my feet. All right, Peter's always shooting his mouth off. And so Jesus essentially leans back and he says, Peter, listen, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any say in my kingdom. You don't have any part of me or my teaching, who I am. And Peter, again, he seems to live in the extremes. He's like, all right, <laughs> wash my whole body. Jesus said, listen, we're, we're just going to stick with your feet. He gets done washing the, 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 the feet of the disciples. And he stands up, he puts his clothes back on and he says, listen, I want you to hear me very carefully. What I've done for you is I've set for you an example of what you need to do for one another. I want you to remember that word, example. And what was the example? I put on the attire of a servant and I got on my hands and knees and I washed your feet. Not long after that, um, the Bible says that Peter, probably minutes, hours after that, Jesus was betrayed in the garden of Gethsemane and, and he was arrested. And the Bible says that Peter followed Jesus at a distance. And Jesus is taken into kind of the headquarters there and he's questioned kind of his pre-trial. And Peter's left outside in a courtyard. The Bible says that it's, it's cold outside, likely dark and it's cold. And um, some of the workers, some of the servants had built a charcoal fire. Uh, I realized that they didn't have 50, 55 gallon steel drums back then, but m maybe they had, you know, used something to build a fire that they could stand at. And at, over the glow of that fire, Peter begins to warm himself. Uh, a teenage servant girl looks across the glow of that fire and says, you, you were with him. I saw you with this, this prisoner, this, this guy who's on trial, Jesus. And Peter denies it. In fact, this charcoal fire is mentioned in all four Gospels. And in Matthew's Gospel, the Bible says that, that Peter swore up and down. He began to curse that he, he had no clue who this guy Jesus was. Now, I want to pause right there just for a second, Cope Church. And I, I want to ask us a question. Is this Peter's legacy? 
This one who's so quick to offer an opinion, who's so quick to defend Jesus. Just hours ago in the Garden of Gethsemane, he draws a sword and he cuts off the centurion's ear, another mess that Jesus had to, you know, clean up and heal the centurion's ear. This one that Jesus said he would build his church on. This, you know, Peter, I'll, I'll build my church around you and your giftings and this confession. This one who said, I, Jesus, even if I have to die, I'll never disown you. Is this going to be, this charcoal fire, is this going to be Peter's legacy? Peter the coward. Peter the liar. Peter the Jesus denier. Matthew's account says after the rooster crowed three times, Peter went out. The Bible says he wept bitterly. Cope Church, how about you? How about us today? Maybe we find ourselves around the bitterness and regret and shame of this charcoal fire in life. Maybe you find yourself in this type of remorse. There's another charcoal fire though. The Bible says that uh, Peter had gone back to fishing and um, what else is a Jesus denier going to do? Uh, him and six of his buddies, there's seven of them on this boat. They're out fishing. And this guy walks up on the shore and calls out to him, hey, how's the fishing essentially? And they kind of turn up empty hands. And the person on the shore says to them, again, professional fishermen, something you don't do is tell a professional fisherman how to fish. He says, cast the net on the other side. Cultures, where have we heard this before? So they do it. They cast the net on the other side, just on the other side of the boat. And they, they haul in all, all these fish. And John's on the boat. He, he nudges Peter and he says, hey, I, th I think that's Jesus. To which Peter promptly puts his clothes back on. And the Bible says he throws himself into the sea. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a swan dive. It wasn't, wasn't kind of a half pike or anything like that. The Bible says that Peter just threw himself into the sea. The word there is like casting a, a fisherman's net into the sea. Coach, I want to pause right there just for a quick second. And I, I, want, to, I want you to see Peter's desperation. Maybe a chance to be forgiven. Maybe a chance to have his legacy restored. Maybe just a chance to look Jesus in the eye and apologize. And sure enough, when they arrived ashore, Jesus has made a charcoal fire and he's cooking breakfast and he invites them to eat and he begins to zero in on Peter. Many of you remember the story. And he, and he, asked, he asked Peter three questions, essentially the same question, do you love me? And, and Peter responds in the affirmative. Many theologians draw a correlation to the three denials of Peter. And each time Jesus restores him and he sets the, the trajectory of his purpose and destiny, he says to tend my sheep, feed my sheep, care for my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my sheep, and care for my sheep. Can you imagine? Not only does Jesus forgive him, not only does he give him a chance to re-up, but he puts Peter back in the game. He commissions him and gets him back on the team. And he gives them a task, a purpose. And what is that purpose? It's already an example that Jesus has set, an example of humility 
in servanthood, to serve the people of God. I want to pause right there just for a second, go church. And I want us to think about living between these two charcoal fires. What life was like for Peter, the sleepless nights, the bitter tears, the depression, perhaps the self-hatred, the embarrassment, the sideways looks from people who knew what he had done, the sideways looks that he would give himself as he saw his reflection back from the water. We find ourselves here sometimes too, don't we? Living between these charcoal fires, Cove Church. Living between mistake and restoration. Living between, between cowardice and a second chance. Between the mundane and purpose. Between disinheritance and legacy. Just imagine, Peter, your bitter tears are experiencing a second chance. On the other side of this second charcoal fire, the words of Peter. So what did Peter do to tend and care for the people of God? One of the things that he did is he wrote to them to encourage them. And, and we have one of those letters preserved today. We studied it last summer while Pastor Aaron was on sabbatical. So I don't, I don't want to go over that again, but just, just by way of reminder, it was written around 67 A.D., and Peter has a travel companion. His name is Sylvanus. And, and as they travel together, it's likely that Peter's dictate, Peter's kind of this backwoods fisherman, uneducated fisherman. And Sylvanus, it would seem, is this well-educated Gentile, Greek-speaking individual. And the reason that we're fairly certain he's the one who actually was the scribe is because First Peter is in this beautiful, eloquent Greek Peter writes the letter not to, it's not some theological treatise, but he writes to them while under persecution to encourage them and to give them a focal point. And so it's in this historical context that, that we find, again, Christians suffering in the words of Peter to comfort them. And tucked away in 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says this, Peter writes, for to this you were called. He just zeroes them back to purpose. For to this, you were called. And maybe, Cove Church, we could hear the Spirit of God saying to us today, for to this you were called. Because Christ also suffered for us. They're going through suffering and he wants to remind them that Jesus was not immune to that. Jesus suffered and he suffered for us. He says this, leaving us an example. There's that word again, Cove Church. I ask you to remember it. That word example, that you should follow in his footsteps. What were his footsteps? He put on the attire of a servant, got on his hands and knees in humility, and served other people. So I want to zero in on that word example. Uh, it, it's, it's one that, that, that Peter and Sylvanus, they, they, they grab to grab our attention. You know, the, it's one that they pull out to kind of pull us in, if you will. And so I can just see them, you know, Peter is dictating this letter and Sylvanus is writing as fast as he can. And, and Peter gets to this word example. 
And Sylvanus kind of reaches into his bag of tricks and he says, is this the word? Does this word kind of describe what you're getting at? And Peter says, no, that, it's close, but it's not it. And, and Sylvanus grabs another word. He says, how about this one? And Peter's like, that's the one that Jesus used. That, that's really close, but it's not it. So finally, Sylvanus, he digs really deep and he pulls out this word and he kind of dusts it off. <laughs> and he says, Peter, is this the word? This Greek word, hupogramos. He says, is this the one? And Peter says, that's exactly the one. That's the one that I want to use. Cove Church, what does it mean? It's, it's a word only used one time in the New Testament. When I was a kid, uh, learning to read and write, I'm going to date myself here. It was an exercise in connecting the dots. It was a tracing exercise, something like on the screen. Some of you remember these is probably all done on an iPad, probably done a different way. But this is how I learned to read and right, and this is exactly the picture that Peter gives us. What is he trying to communicate? What is the point in all the chaos, Cove Church, in the persecution, in the upheaval, in our desperation for Jesus to move, to speak, in our desperation to find our equilibrium, in our desperation to know his will, to walk in his ways, our deep desire to have our lives count, to leave a legacy. Peter takes his Gentile, Greek-speaking friends back to the basics. And he reminds them, you were called to this. Jesus has given us an example, and we need to follow. What was the example again? It was servanthood. It was, it's tracing King Jesus, the master servant, the servant king. Let me, um, Kupchers, let me suggest this that in our moments living between the charcoal fires in our desperate search for restoration and significance and purpose, that Jesus has given us a solution, an on-ramp, a fix, an example that's already been set, tracing Jesus, the servant, just connecting the next dot, the humble king, the servant, King Jesus, one dot at a time, one humble act at a time, one generous act, one act of servanthood toward another individual at a time. Where the new up is down, where the new front of the line really is the back of the line. Church, this idea of servanthood, could it be the greatest example we leave our kids, the greatest way we can bless our family, our community, our friends. So I want to end today with our big idea. And it really is a two-parter. You may want to write this down, maybe take a picture of it. Number one, there is an open charcoal fire of redemption, restoration, and renewal for you today. No matter who you are, where you've been, there's this enduring open invitation to a charcoal fire of renewal, redemption, and restoration. Number two, it will likely be a return to the basics of tracing King Jesus, the humble servant. Cove Church, not Jesus the mystic, not Jesus the great teacher, not Jesus the miracle worker, miracle worker, all of those things are awesome and wonderful and he's given us his spirit to empower us 
He could have on that night he was betrayed going to the cross. He could have given us an example of anything he wanted. And he gave us the example of humble servanthood. So I want to wrap up Cove Church with something we've actually never done before. Um, my friends here in just a moment are going to sing a song of desperation. What we've never done before is they're going to do it without any amplification in their voice or their instruments. The story uh, from the writer, the author, his name is Bear Reinhardt, and he tells the story of him and his band, Need to Breathe. They were um, traveling from East Texas to Arizona. Well, to go from East Texas to Arizona, you got to go through West Texas. And as they did, they, they noticed this strong wind that hit and they saw tractor trailer after tractor trailer pushed over, toppled in the wind. And that imagery stuck with Bear, so much so that years later during COVID, he's sitting in his family room in this yearning desperation for God, maybe his own kind of charcoal fires of embarrassment, of missing the mark, began to surface and he sits down and he pens the words to this song. It's a song of desperation called West Texas Wind. I pray you enjoy it. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.